Welcome to Simply Financial with your financial coach, Kevin Ray. In today's investing environment, there's a lot of clutter. If you're tired of the talking heads and financial noise, this is the show for you. Today, we'll help you find simple solutions to financial challenges. We'll show you how to achieve your financial goals and get answers to your toughest questions. Simply Financial with Kevin Ray starts now. It's another edition of Simply Financial. Walter Storholt here with you alongside Kevin Ray, financial coach at Insight Folios, serving you throughout the Tri-City area with offices in Pinconning and Saginaw. You can find Kevin online at insightfolios.com. Kevin brings about three decades of experience in financial planning to the table each and every week when we discuss finances and retirement. He's the co-author of the book Navigating Through Retirement, and we're so glad to get the chance to chat with him this week. Kevin, how's life going for you this week? Life is going forward now, Walter, and it's and it's getting warmer, and it's looking better and better, and fishing's around the corner, so I'm going to have some fun. That's fantastic to hear, and I am uh, really excited that um, I think we're both on the other side of our of our second virus shots and getting a little bit further away from having to you know have as much worry about that whole thing. And I know I'm psyched to to hang out with my parents, and my wife's family's excited to start getting together again, and. We're, we're making all sorts of plans for the summer, so fingers crossed that things continuing to progress well in the coronavirus side of the world. Well, we're hoping, but you know in Michigan here we have a big uh, big uptick in that. It's true. So hopefully we get that under control, and like you said, we I've had my second shot, you've had your second yeah. shot. and uh, Go get things. your shots. We'll deal with the extra fingers and toes that we get from it in a couple of years <laughs> later on. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, can, they can always be medically you know, taken care of, right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We, we can always chop off the extra fingers that we grow because of the vaccinations. No, Vac- I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, no, I'm, I'm ex- I really am excited to visit with family and uh, certainly hope that the trends uh, that have gone up in the past reverse themselves and that in other areas they continue to go down. So life can truly get back to normal for many of us. I know lots of people are hoping for that, and some people have kind of already fast-forwarded to that point, Kevin. So. Well, some states have, right? Yeah. And some states have, certainly. What yeah, was it? Yeah. Uh, Texas had, uh, right on opening day, had like full a full stadium, 40,000 people and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, close to it, yeah. I mean, we'll see how that turns out, but we know that the mm-hmm. uh, spring breakers, I, you know, down in uh, Florida didn't work out so good, so. Yeah, and their worry all with that is they always then end up going back to their various states and that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, we'll it see. Is, uh, well, we're all we're all a year into this, and uh, certainly know know the risks and things that we're getting involved with at this point. So we're all fatigued by it, I can and we're tell all you fatigued that. by it too. You're exactly <laughs> right about that. Mm-hmm. Well, the good news at least the weather's getting nice again, so we can spend more time outside. It makes visiting and hanging out and all that kind of stuff a little bit easier for everybody. Hopefully, sure does. And um, my kayak worked really well in the pollen. You know, I know. We talked about that a little bit on last week's show, and so I went and got the kayak out and went paddling around in the pollen a little bit. So it was it's pretty smooth and slick and works real well, Kevin. Well, you know, I'm I'm really nervous <laughs> when you get around water. <laughs> so does it make you feel better if I'm kayaking in pollen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least you got something to hold on to, right? We can see you. <laughs> it might make me sneeze if I tip yeah, over into it, yeah, but I won't yeah. drown in the pollen. Yeah. So. Uh, at least that, I, it could be the f- world's first documented case of drowning in pollen. We don't know. All we need to do is put a fishing pole in your hand when you're kayaking. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to catch in the pollen, though. That's or even better, a fly rod. A scary, mm-hmm. scary thought. Yeah. I do need to learn how to fly fish. 
fish. That's that that's on the bucket list. I didn't grow up fly fishing, so I need to add that on and start go learn and figure out how to do it. So well, we'll have to get you in one of our trips. Yes, yes, we're gonna fit that in post post pandemic world. We'll get some fly fishing done one of these days. Well, we're looking forward to a great show on today's program, Kevin. Speaking of uh, you know coronavirus, has been something that <laughs> a lot of people have had unpopular opinions about over the past year, and uh, we are going to talk about unpopular opinions on today's show. But we're going to focus it, of course, in the financial realm a little bit. But I'm kind of curious for you, you know, being a good advisor isn't about winning a popularity contest or saying what everybody else in the industry says. It's about giving the best advice that you can to each individual. And I would imagine that there are some areas where your opinions might be, I don't know, not be as popular with some people in the financial industry, might go against the grain a little bit. Is, is that a good assumption? It is, yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about, let's give you one idea. We're talking about the, the amount of risk people need to take, you know, okay. uh, re- retiree or pre-retiree. What, what's the uh, industry say and where do you differ? Well, you know, the industry says the older you get, the less amount of risk you should be taking. And I think that's, you know, I don't think that's necessarily correct. I think that's the most misunderstood part of planning. And let me give you an example of what, the, what I hear when people come to my office, Walter. So you go to an advisor's office, and an advisor asks you on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel about risk? So if I ask you that right now, Walter, how do you feel about risk on a scale of 1 to 10? What's your number? Um, I mean, I, I feel like I'm relatively risky, but also a safe person, so I'm, I'm probably right in the middle at 5. Okay. So if you tell an advisor 5, what do you think the chances are they're going to build your portfolio based on that 5? Uh, they should, right? should be pretty good. I, I, five. That's what I told them, right? Should be pretty good, right? But my question is, if I were to ask you last January, when we're sitting down, we, we started January 2020, and we did the, the shows that we're doing now, I, and if you set a five, but do you think you would have set a five right after the pandemic? No. I, before the pandemic, I probably was much higher. Yeah, I was then, much more aggressive. I, I definitely have dialed back now a little bit. So, so that's, that's my point here, is what does your feelings have about the amount of risk that you feel comfortable with have anything to do with planning, and I don't think it has anything to do because the numbers are vastly different depending on your answer. Here's the answer to that. The answer is to solve for how much risk you need. Do not guess. How do you do that? You sit down with an advisor and you build a solid income plan. Now, here's what I mean by that. In our simplicity income plan, we'll put in, for example, we'll put in your investments that you saved, when you're going to retire, how much income do you need to retire. We're going to add inflation to that. And we're going to project it to age 90, 95. And when I do all of that, it's going to come back with a, what I call your retirement number. In your retirement number, let's say it's three. And that means you have to average 3% on your portfolio from here to all the way to age 90 or 95. Now, based on that number, Walter, do you have to take a lot of risk? Uh, no, not too, not too much, right? Not too much, right? You can take more, but at least we know now going into retirement how much risk that you really need. But on the other hand, let's go back and you haven't saved as much and maybe you don't have a pension or another income and you need, you know, your retirement numbers. I need 7% a year for the next 30 years. Do you think it's a lot that, more, not a lot more risk there, right? That's a lot more risk, right? And it's probably not doable. So there's got to be some changes that has to be done. So the appropriate amount of risk for, you know, is 
most advisors are going to say as you get older, you need to take less. I don't think that's necessarily the answer. I think it's let's solve for how much you need, a risk you need to take, and then let's put a plan together based on your number to get you to into retirement all the way to age 90, 95. Interesting. So you're really saying the risk is it's less about your opinion of risk and more of what is you know appropriate. That's the yes. a lot of people pump up. How do you feel about risk when? I mean, that's a much smaller piece of the puzzle than it really should be of what's appropriate. Like, who cares if I care about risk in a certain way if that's not good for me, right? Like, if I come to you and I say, my risk level is one, Kevin, and I'm in my 30s and my risk level is one, I can't take any risk, don't want to take risk, I want my money to be safe, you'd have to push back on me, right? And be like, well, it's just not appropriate for you to be a one at this point in time in your life. Exactly, because we have 30 years probably to go to retirement. And that we know, and here's the big, uh, the big misunderstanding out there for that particular person, is that the market, you know, has in the past has always done well over a long time frame. And when you invest in the market, it's a long term investment. So don't think that you can, you know, time the market because you can't. It's a long term investment. If you're 30 years old, you should be taking on more risk. And in that simplicity process, it will reflect that because you don't have near the savings now that you have at age 30 that you're going to at 50. So it's going to reflect that and it's going to show you you're going to need more risk based on income needs and those types of things. One of those examples where, uh, you know, telling the customer that they're always right doesn't necessarily apply. This is one of those areas where there might be good time to have some pushback to what you feel keeping those emotions in check and looking more at what what the numbers reveal and and what makes the most sense for your situation, not just on how you feel. Certainly still can take that into account, but at the same time, you don't want to get in trouble just because you feel one way when your situation doesn't dictate the right answer there. No, let's solve for that and let's find out and let's get the number that you need. Yeah, let's solve for it. All right. What about something else in the financial world? What about uh, life insurance, the appropriate use of life insurance? What's the industry say in an area where you kind of differ from the mold a little bit? Well, the industry says, you know, on on average, you know, look at whole life insurance or, or universal life insurance, you know, for the vast majority of people. I think, you know, life insurance has a negative correlation to it. When I say life insurance to people, they're like, oh, geez, here he goes. He's going to try to sell me some big expensive policy. When you're younger, why do you think people don't buy life insurance, Walter? Uh, when they're young? Uh, just because mm-hmm. you think you're invincible. Yeah, you're bulletproof, right? You don't need life insurance. When you're older, guess what? You're too old for life insurance. Life insurance is a critical part of financial planning. If you walk out on life early, life insurance will walk in on life and protect your family, make sure that your children will get that education, make sure your spouse is going to continue the same, you know, maintain the same standard of living. Life insurance can be used for a lot of different reasons. It can be used to protect your family. It can be used for retirement planning. If if life insurance is put together properly, it can give you tax-free income down the road. Life insurance can be for used for long-term care planning. It's what we call the hybrid policy. You buy this particular uh, type of hybrid policy, and if you don't use it, you keep it, and then somewhere in the future you need it for long-term care, it will be there. And if you don't need it for long-term care, somebody gets the value of it. Life insurance is the most misunderstood 
thing that you could use for retirement. And I just think that people are uh, overall, the industry has a negative correlation to it. And I think people need to look at it and see how to improve their own situation. We're talking about different areas of the financial world where Kevin's opinions differ a little bit from the norm, uh, maybe some unpopular opinions in some cases. What about debt? There's a lot of, uh, there's radio shows, TV shows, lots of books and media written about debt, how to handle it, how to get out of it, or whether it's even good in some cases. Um, the, the credit card kings will you know, tell you the best ways to game the credit card system and you know, all these different things. What about the debt conversation? Well, in my humble opinion, you know, pay off debt as, as soon as you can. Over the 30 years that I've been doing this, the people that come into my office, I can overwhelmingly tell you the high percentage of them, they're sitting good in retirement, they're getting ready to retire, things look good, they have no debt. If you pay off debt, you're going to save a lot of dollars in interest, especially on interest uh, on credit cards. It's here's here's the saying from my dad, now Walter. See if it rings true with you. It's easy to get into debt, and it's much harder to get out of debt. And good habits are going to go a long way. So if you start, you know, with good habits now, and it continues on into life, those good habits are going to affect higher incomes in your retirement, you know, less stress in your retirement, those types of things. So to me, debt, if you pay it off as soon as you can, and I've always been a believer of that, and I've held true to that, and myself, I, I, I don't have much debt, so. Yeah, you can probably ride up a lot of debt in one day. It's a lot harder to then pay all that debt off in one day. <laughs> well, what do you think the highest, from this 30 years, the highest amount, when people come to my office, oh, credit card debt that they've had? Surely you had one big one. I'm gonna yeah. say I'm gonna say a hundred, hundred k, two two hundred thousand. No, wow. And that alone was crazy. Oh my gosh. Yep, two hundred thousand, and it was easy to do it, but it's hard to get out. So, mm. Where, had they also in that situation saved a lot for retirement? Because sometimes that boggles you, right? Where there's a lot of credit card debt, but at the same time, a whole bunch saved for retirement. It's like okay, we're we're just rowing in the opposite direction, and over here, why don't we clean this up, and then we'll all be rowing in the same direction. No, not in this particular not, not case. In this case. <laughs> the reason they came in is they wanted to start retirement planning. And I'm like, we can't go down that road. We have all this major debt. Yeah. And at 20% interest, whatever it was, it was huge. We have to figure out how to pay that debt down before you get to the retirement planning portion of it. So That's a lot of money. Wow. Yeah. Um, amazing. All right. How about um, annuities? I know that's a lightning rod in the financial and uh, retirement planning world. What about your opinion of annuities and is it unpopular compared to the norm? I think it's unpopular for most advisors, but like anything, there's good and bad investments, whether it fits you or it doesn't. So there's four types of annuities, basically. There's the index annuity, which is very, very popular, which links your return to some sort of index, like an S&P 500. There is um, variable universal, or variable annuities, excuse me, that's linked to the stock market. There is an immediate annuity, which says I'm going to give an insurance company a lump sum of money, and in return, they're going to give me a lifelong income. And then there's just the plain Jane old fixed annuities. So the annuities fit different situations with different people. And I think the appropriate use, that was the key word here, comes into play here. And most of the time when we use annuities, when I sit down and I talk to people, it's just a plain Jane, old fixed annuities. There's no, you know, 50-page disclosure in them. It's just, you know, plain interest rate and it's guaranteed for a certain amount of years. Typically, you can get them from two to five years. You can get interest rates as high as 3.85 today, a little longer term. But that's, you know, a guarantee going in there. So they're appropriate. You know, all annuities aren't bad. All annuities aren't good. 
They're good for certain situations and for certain types of plans and for certain types of people. That's interesting. Yeah, and I know we could do a whole show about annuities, so we won't go down all the different uh, venues and avenues there, but uh, but interesting to bring that one up, at least in this context of unpopular opinions. What about mutual funds and, and their appropriate use? Well, mutual funds used to be huge, didn't they? I mean, if you look back even 10 years, Fidelity is the big uh, you know shooter out there as far as mutual funds. They got into the companies with 401ks. So everybody is used to mutual funds. But what's happened over time is now we have the index funds versus the other, you know, the uh, active mutual fund managers are trying to beat the market. So do you know what percentage of active mutual fund managers beat the index year in and year out, uh, Walter? I'm going to just say low. 85% failed to do it. Wow. And that was the latest thing that I read. So when mutual funds, I think there's an appropriate use for them too. I think that most people should be looking at the index funds for two reasons. One, they're cheaper in cost. And two, most of the time, they're going to be the active mutual fund managers. So the appropriate use of them is to make sure you don't have a lot of stock overlap too. We talked about that in prior shows and earlier. You know, Make sure you don't own 10 different mutual funds, but they own the same companies. Make sure you got diversification going on in there because you can get diversification in most cases. And don't, you know, think, you know, don't put all your eggs in in one basket in one mutual fund company. You're going to want to diversify. You're going to want to spread the risk out. You're going to want to determine how much risk you need to take. And you can do that with the appropriate use going down that road. All right. Last but not least, let's do one more. How much money to have in cash? That doesn't sound like that controversial of a topic, but do you have an unpopular opinion here as well? Well, I do. I think you you need at least one year, you know, most advisors or most you know pundits out there are going to tell you to three to six months. I think one year, and you know I can tell you story upon story upon story where somebody's health has changed and it's knocked them out, and if they had that year of cash in there, it certainly lessens the amount of stress that they have. You know they don't maybe go back to force to go back to work early and and undo the progress that they have as far as their health goes. So I think one year is adequate enough to take care of that. I think you need to have long-term disability, you know, in case that one year continues on to two years. And I think there's a lot of planning opportunities that people overlook when they sit down at their own financial plan that the shortfall like this, and if they shore up that shortfall could really help them in, in the unforeseeable event that your health changes. That's a great point. And uh, Kevin, this is something to be thinking about for a lot of people where you kind of follow the herd. You can see where that can maybe get you in trouble or lead you down a totally different path than if you go against the grain sometimes. And it's okay to have an unpopular opinion about certain things. Kevin, it sounds like something that you're comfortable with, not having to necessarily fall in step with the rest of the industry and kind of make up your own mind on some of these subjects and tailor things to your clients. That's That takes a little bit of gumption, I would imagine. Well, it does because, you know, I think when people come into an advisor's office, they're going to get the feeling, oh, the advisor is going to agree with me because for whatever reason. But the numbers are what the numbers are. When we do the income plan, if your number says you have to take a high amount of risk, I'm going to tell you. If your number says you don't, I'm going to tell you. If you have shortfalls like disability insurance, I'm going to suggest that or long-term care insurance. All those things, life insurance that may be unpopular, 
but they can, but if they can help you in the retirement planning aspect of it, I'm going to mention those and, and see if we can implement them. Well, it's a great point, Kevin. And if you have any questions for Kevin, want to talk to him about your particular situation, about planning for retirement, finances, and all the different layers in between, uh, he could certainly discuss those with you. All you have to do is pick up the phone, give him a call. 888-885-PLAN is the number. That's 888 888- 885-7526. He is your financial coach at Insight Folios, serving you in the Tri-City area with offices in Pinconning and Saginaw as well. Get in touch. Very easy to do so again by calling 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. More coming up on today's show. This is Simply Financial with Kevin Ray. We believe it only takes three steps to build your financial future, and that's it. You shouldn't waste your time getting bogged down by complicated numbers and confusing financial products. Why worry with the minutia? Three steps is all it takes. Step one, you talk. Step two, we act. And step three, here comes the fun part. You relax. Come in for a visit with our team. We'll listen as you explain your needs, dreams, and desires. We'll then craft and implement a financial plan to achieve your goals. Don't worry. As life happens, we'll adjust your plan. All you have to do is take it easy. Don't make retirement harder than it should be. Schedule your visit with our team. Call 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. We're only a phone call away. 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. After a while, all that financial noise seems to run together. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the... Anyone? Anyone? The Great Depression passed the... Anyone? Anyone? It's time for a fresh perspective. Keep listening to Simply Financial with Kevin Ray. Rocking and rolling on another show. This is Simply Financial alongside Kevin Ray. I'm Walter Storholt. Uh, Kevin's your financial coach at Inside Folio, serving you throughout the Tri-City area with offices in Pinconning and Saginaw. Kevin has about three decades of experience in the financial planning world and is the co-author of the book, Navigating Through Retirement. Kevin, let's talk about the retirement pyramid. So let's picture retirement as a pyramid and uh, go through the different levels of planning that need to occur. I mean, I think the concept here is uh, is pretty simple, right? So if a retirement plan is built like a pyramid, we've got different levels that we've got to work our way up with, starting with a really strong foundation, right? Right. Foundation, obviously, you know, the great pyramid of Giza, right? It's been around for <laughs> how many right. years? 5,000, something like that? Crazy. Amazing crazy, that what they right? were able to build, yes. So when we want to, when you want a pyramid, you want something. I'm assuming just as strong. So you know the first foundation would be, or the first one would be your foundation. It's going to be your needs. So what are going to be your needs in retirement? Well, we got to look at food. We got to look at housing. We got to look at healthcare, taxes, and all the have tos. You know, all the have tos that you that you pay. So we want to make sure in that first level that we're going to take care of all those things. Second level, in my opinion, is going to be wants. You know, there's going to be vacations, hobbies, entertainment, spending time with the grandkids. You know, that's the second level. How do we address that level? And then the third level is going to be more of a state planning type thing. So it's going to be your wishes. How do you want your money distributed? Who do you want it to go to? You want it to get there as tax efficient as possible, those types of things. 
Okay, all that makes sense. So let's go through in a little bit more detail in each of those levels. So if we're trying to build our retirement pyramid and, and establishing that foundation, uh, tell us a little bit more what we need in that base level. Okay, so we're actually we're talking about the needs. So our needs require what, Walter? Uh, self-awareness, <laughs> knowing, yeah, knowing, that, knowing what we want, right? Knowing what we, well, knowing what we need, and then that's going to take income, right? Right. We need, we need some dollars to cover that. Yeah, we need dollars. So those dollars need to be pretty solid. So that's why it's at the bottom of your foundation. So what were those dollars? What would you put in that, in that foundation? Well, most of the foundation is going to be safety. So where are you going to get safety from? You're going to have a pension plan. That's probably pretty safe. You're going to have Social Security. That's pretty safe. You could add some annuities, but nowadays that's very, very tough because the interest rates are low. You could have some annuities, fixed annuities, because fixed annuities are guaranteed. You can get as high, you can get almost 4% today on annuities. So what do what all those have in common? Well, they generate income on a monthly basis, on a yearly basis, whatever type of income you need. Most people are monthly. And that income is always there, so it's always taking care of your needs every single month for you to fill that shortfall that we talk about every single week. So it's really like we have two pyramids. We have the the, the spending pyramid and then the income pyramid, and we're kind of, but they also kind of marry together because they they overlap. the The yes. needs are covered by things that are predictable. You don't want to cover your needs with things that are unpredictable. So we don't want to be relying to pay rent or our mortgage on something that's like really volatile. And so that's why you're not putting stocks and um, you know other equities and those kinds of things into that need category at the foundation of the pyramid. Right, because it, it is a need. So we don't want to fool around too much in the market in those particular places. Once we get that built, we move up the pyramid a little bit things change both in the types of investments and income sources and retirement elements but so does the need uh, we've taken care of those needs so it morphs into as you gave us the preview a little bit earlier into the wants so what are the things that we start to address after we handle that base level okay so we're gonna we address the base level we got your income coming in every single month and it should satisfy that so now comes our wants so our needs started at, all right, it paid for our everyday expenses, our food, housing, health care, taxes, so on. But our wants are something different. You know, maybe you have some vacation you want to go on. Maybe you have a hobby. You know, I have several clients now who are flying the uh, remote control airplanes, you know, and those are very expensive. I couldn't believe the price of some of those planes. What about entertainment? You want to go to so many concerts or, or shows or those those types of things. So... With that, as long as we have your needs taken care of, now we can start investing in, in more of fixed income, more of core fixed income, some in equities to take care of that because the cost of those things are going to go up year in, year out. So what do we look? Well, maybe we look at mutual funds. Maybe we look at individual stocks that produce dividend income that's pretty predictable. Maybe we look at an ETF because why, why an ETF? because they're less expensive, and a lot of times they, they can duplicate what mutual funds do. So we take care of your wants that way. We started at a very, very low expectation of return, and now with wants, we're going to take more of a risk, and we're going to think of that long-term, because long-term is where you need to be in the wants. Mm, all good points. I love the, uh, the, the work through of the wants 
that's where I'm sure a big bulk of the planning gets spent once you handle that that income level, that, that need level that's further down below. People like talking about the wants more than the needs, don't they? Uh, always. <laughs> always. <yes. laughs> big part of the conversation. Yes. All right. What's the uh, – we get to the tip of the pyramid, I suppose, is our next level. So how does both the income or the investments and the retirement elements change there as well as what does – the spending now look like or how do we move on from needs and wants well we get to our wishes right think of this we started at the base and we're younger as we go up the top of the pyramid we're getting older so at some point in time you're going to want to pass on in the best possible way what you have saved to maybe your children charities or whatever it is so what do we look at so if we're looking at that typically life insurance now, I just heard 10,000 people turn down their radio when I said life insurance, Walter. But, you know, if we look at Malcolm Forbes, you remember Malcolm Forbes? No. What was his uh, familiarity? Well, you know, he flew around in hot balloons. He dated Liz Taylor. He was from the Forbes magazine, right? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. He bought the single largest life insurance at that time that anybody had purchased. Why would somebody do that? Well, you know, he had a lot of money, obviously, and he figured out, geez, if I take one taxable dollar out of my bank account and I buy a life insurance policy, I could possibly turn that into two or three tax-free dollars down the road. So he bought the single largest life insurance policy for his need of paying the estate tax at that time so the children wouldn't have to do that. So that money was, that was part of the reason. That money was set aside to buy one taxable dollar and turn it into two or three taxable dollars, or tax-free dollars, excuse me, in life insurance. So when that life insurance paid out, which is just a few years later, it was tax-free. And then we took the ta- or he took the tax-free money to pay the tax on the taxable money. So that's probably what a lot of people are going to do. So let's just say, how do we how do we interpret that to uh, regular everyday people like me and you, Walter? Is we do it this way? Maybe we have a million dollar IRA, and it's a traditional IRA. So Walter, is that taxable? All of it, part of it, or some of it, or none of it? The traditional, all of it, right? All of it, right? Yeah. So you're leaving your kids a million dollar tax time bomb, aren't you? Yeah, you're, so, you're not leaving them a million dollars. You're not. <laughs> so how could you take care of that? Well, you buy a life insurance policy to pay the tax on that when you're done. So you take part of that million and you pay the premium on a life insurance. Again, you can turn one taxable dollar into two or three taxable dollars to take care of that that need that, that when you're gone. Or maybe you want to leave a university, a hospital, whatever it is, money or you want to leave a certain charity money or you want to leave it all to your kids life insurance is a good thing to do and 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 a good way to take care of that economically and as long as you're healthy here's the key as long as you're healthy you can purchase that but that's just part of the estate planning need so now we need to talk to attorneys you know put things in the trust so on and so forth but that's how you get through the three levels of the pyramid when you work your way to top is you do it very confidently you do it with knowledge you do it you work with people who have the knowledge to get you there and then once you're there you have no more worries because you've taken care of it now not everybody's financial or retirement pyramid ends up looking the same right this is the the basic structure but you know jane's 
pyramid is going to look a little bit different than Bob's when they come in to meet with you. It is. And everybody's different, like you said. So some people, you know, have a million dollar uh, Roth IRA. So the things change because that's not taxable anymore. And the, the needs and everything we talked about are different for everybody. I'm kind of simplifying it so I can make it easy to understand. But you're right. So there's going to be some, some niche planning that's going to be different for everybody. But the key here is to do the planning. That's a great point. I guess the, the levels of the pyramid stay the same. Maybe it's the uh, the thickness of each part of the pyramid adjusts from person to person. Someone who you know, has no mortgage, uh, their need, the thickness of their needs is going to be smaller. We're going to get to the wants faster versus somebody who maybe still has a lot left to pay on the mortgage, maybe some debt to clean up. There's going to be some bigger needs on the bottom of the pyramid that take up a little bit more time and attention during the planning process. But that's why it's important to go through the review and go through that conversation with Kevin and the team. So if you've never had a retirement pyramid kind of analysis done on your portfolio and you'd like to get that done, pick up the phone, give Kevin a call. 888-885-PLAN is the number to set up your time to meet with Kevin. That's 888-885-7526. And you can also go to insightfolios.com to learn more about Kevin and the team and to set up a time to meet there as well. Uh, you can email Kevin at insightfolios.com. But again, the easiest way is to pick up the phone, give a call to 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. More to come on today's show. Stay with us here on Simply Financial. When you reflect on your life, what would you like to see as your fondest memories? Summers at your favorite vacation spot? Ice cream with the grandkids after their first t-ball game? Maybe it was your great adventure across the world or volunteering with a local nonprofit. Of course, those memories are still in the future, although they're not as far away as you might think. Be sure you have a financial plan to make them happen. Don't find yourself worrying while enjoying that ice cream. Peace of mind is attainable in your retirement. With the proper planning, you can secure a meaningful retirement. We can help you make those dreams a reality. Schedule your visit with our team today. Call 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. We want to make memories with you. Get started by calling 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. It's getting to know you time. Time to get to know Kevin Ray a little bit better on today's show. Some uh, moments where we just don't have to get into all the financial talk. We just get to chit-chat back and forth about something in life. And uh, Kevin, last week I asked you, what's the best part of your day? You said the morning time frame. Uh, I'm wondering now, not to be negative, but what's your least favorite part of the day? That 2 o'clock you know, part of the day where you get <laughs> that the afternoon lull, right? Yeah, you know, that afternoon lull where you need, you know, a little energy burst. And luckily, you know, here, sometimes if I have time, I'll go for a walk. But it's at two o'clock, seems like, oh, geez, you know, I just need a little bit of energy. Maybe I ate lunch, sitting heavy on me. But that two o'clock seems to be, uh, I could use a little energy right now. I'm running down and, um, let, let's get past the two. Because when I get to 3, 3, 30, 4 o'clock, I'm usually good to go. It's that hour, hour and a half. How about you? I would probably agree. And I wonder if it's something that we've been conditioned to from when we were in school. 
And, you know, we'd have these like, you know, what the school day was 730 to 230, something like that. Yeah. It was like the schools knew something that uh, you lose attention span around 230 or so. So let's go do something different. You know, then you'd go to your after school place or play sports or whatever the case may be. You'd be able to take that transition point. But when we work, we've got to power through that 230, at least most of us traditionally, you know, we're going to work through till five or six o'clock. And then it just makes those last few hours of the day brutal. I think we need to all move to like back to those school day hours and do like seven or seven thirty to two two thirty. To me, that would be like the perfect work schedule. You know, I might have to change our office hours here. That sounds yeah. like a good idea. I would totally do it. It's just the fact that the rest of the world doesn't operate on that <laughs> schedule. So it can make it difficult when people are trying to set up times to talk with you and chat and you know do those kinds of things. So, so you you think we're we're we were conditioned like Pavlov's dog. Well, that think about sense. it. We, we yeah. spend what eighteen years or so uh, yeah. going to school and whatnot, and having your schedule sort of you know wrapped up in that way, and then it seems like okay. we would adapt at some point. But for some reason, it's like we're just meant to at two thirty kind of call it quits because everybody I feel like has that two three o'clock feeling where they just get bogged down those last couple hours of work. Well, I think yeah, it's universal unless you work the night shift. But I think right. it's universal. I think you're right, and uh, I think. Uh, Maybe we had to switch it. Maybe we had to have you run a campaign, you know, go back to daylight, you know, school hours. <laughs> yeah, I know it'll go over well in, uh, in, in the U.S. Let's go to, um, let's go to three-day work weeks, and we're only going to work six-hour days, and we're going to get off at 2 o'clock every day. How does that yeah, sound? We'll, we'll see how that works. That'll so be the that. national standard going forward. Our productivity goes way, way down. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, well, so be it. But we, we at least get to go home and do fun stuff like fish and, you know, look at the lake and things like that. That's, that's true. Yeah. Well, it's always about balance, isn't it? So, uh, but it's interesting to think about. So, uh, I, I've tried to tinker with the schedule a couple of times, but I would say my other least favorite part of the day is uh, is going to bed. I don't like going to sleep. I never have. Ever since I was a little kid, I I like I enjoy life, not to get all sappy. So I hate going to sleep because I feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I want to always. I wish, I wish I could just stay awake all 24 hours and just do, do more things in life. You know what I mean? What's going on that I don't know about, huh? Right, right, yeah. 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 Maybe that's the the control freak element of me. I can't even be asleep for a couple of hours without having to like you know have my hands in something. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's always been been funny. I never liked going to bed, uh, and it, I never I never aged out of that not liking to go to bed element. So. Wow. It's interesting. That's, that's interesting, yeah, because I kind of look forward to it nowadays. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, based on your answer last week, when you said you were a morning person and uh, that, yeah, you, you couldn't stay up too late, uh, yeah. you know, to, to watch the sunset sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, it's because you're rushing off to bed because you want to be. It's <laughs> too funny. Good stuff. Uh, there's You have it. Getting to know Kevin Ray a little bit better on today's show. We're back with more on Simply Financial after this. Planning for retirement shouldn't feel like rocket science. According to the equation, S equals one-half A-T squared. But it's easy to get lost in the financial jargon. Keep listening to clear up the confusion. Well, before we wrap up for the week here on Simply Financial, I want to squeeze in a quick question from a listener, Marty has a question this week. Uh, if you have questions, you can submit those. Kevin at insightfolios.com is the email address or online at insightfolios.com. Marty says, I've heard that you need to have between 15 and 20 times your annual salary in savings to be able to retire comfortably. Do you think that's accurate? Well, that's a rule of thumb, Marty. And I can tell you, the more saved, the better off you're going to be, obviously. 
But I can also tell you that everyone is different. And I can give you an example. I have a couple of clients where their pensions are over $100,000 per year. Now, that's you know not many clients, but I have a couple, two or three that are, their pensions are that. So if that's you, obviously, you know, the 15 to 20 times probably isn't as important as if you don't have a pension. But the more you save, obviously, the better off you're going to be. And 15 to 20 times, maybe the good rule may not be the good rule. The better rule is this. Figure out what your shortfall is. Figure out how much income you need to generate up and above your Social Security and your pensions. Figure out how much you've saved for retirement. And then figure out how do you turn what you saved in retirement into an income stream that doesn't run out before you run out of life. And that's the first That's the first step, Marty. And that's not necessarily 15 to 20 times. In fact, often it's not 15 to 20 times when I sit down with people. So it all depends on your own personal situation. Obviously, pensions help out a great deal. Social Security is going to be in there. Maybe you have rental income. Maybe you, you, you have land contract income. I don't know. But 15 to 20 times is just a rule of thumb. And most of the time when I sit down with people, that's not accurate. So Marty gave me a call. Happy to sit down and go through that example with you that we just went through and see if it works in your particular case. If you need a complimentary, customized, and comprehensive financial plan, uh, Kevin Ray's the person to turn to to get that here in the Pinconning and Saginaw areas, offices in both locations. And you can schedule a time to talk about your situation by dialing 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526 best way to get in touch 888-885-PLAN call that number if you get the voicemail leave a quick note kevin and his team will be able to get back with you 888-885-PLAN call now 888-885-7526 have a great week everybody until then we'll talk to you next time right back financial planning and investment advisory services are offered through insight folios inc a registered investment advisor the firm only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements insurance products and services are offered through individually licensed and appointed agents in various jurisdictions insight folios inc does not offer legal or tax advice kevin ray is an investment advisor representative of insight folios inc